You are listening to the message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. Okay, the title is Faith, okay, Hope and Love. I know, we know very well faith, love and hope. Faith, love, but I just purposely switch it around because why? I found this very peculiar in that sense. Something caught my attention. You know, as, well, as I was reading through the Daily Bible, okay, in First Thessalonians, something caught my eye. And I actually written there, a journey to take. It, it is a journey. So, you know, we always say that you must have you know, the faith, love and hope, you know, that is a simple thing to do. But I realized it is a journey. It's not just a one-off, one-time offer from God and that's it. And we can stay with this, you know, for the rest of your life till you die. No. In fact, you know, these are the three most fundamental principles we need to have. Okay? And, yep, shall we... Next slide. So, as I was saying, okay, I have taken it from 1 Thessalonians, specifically from chapter 2, verse 3. So now, in 1 Corinthians, okay, chapter 13, verse 12, and 12 to 13, it says, we all know these verses very well, right? For now, we see only a reflection, right, as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Okay, this is the last portion of First Corinthians. Paul was actually telling, telling the Corinthians about this, okay, encouraging them. Now, I know in part, as Paul saying, we all know in part, right? Because we are, after all, still here on earth. Okay, we see through a dim glass, that's all we know. God will never give us a full revelation of who He is or who we are or what we can do. But He just shows us glimpses, little bit, little bit at a time. Okay. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Gosh, man, when I read this verse, I always feel, feel you know, encouraged in a sense. And I, got, I get impatient because I want this to happen to me right now. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to stay here anymore. I just want to know God fully as, you know, I know Him fully. He knows me fully. Okay. I think it's more of the, of the part I want to know Him more. Okay. Of course, He knows me fully. And now these three remains, you see, faith, hope, and love. Okay? But the greatest of this is love. I'm not going to focus on love tonight. I'm going to f- focus really on faith, hope, and love. These three things. Okay? So this being the introduction, I just want to lay the foundation first. So, see, no matter the number of years as a believer, you and I have been walking with God. Okay? The fundamentals still remain. We must remember that. See, Paul mentioned and summarized our priority, your priority, and my priority, even Paul's priority, as stated in the verses above, as we just read. So, firstly, okay, to be fully known by God and to know God fully, the criteria or the things that God is watching out for in your life and in my life is our legacy of the faith, of your faith. Now, what do I say? What do I mean by that? Your faith, your hope, and your love that we show and exhibit on earth as we are right now living. See, the Bible says, okay, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit. The Bible says, will he find faith, Jesus, when he comes again on earth? Now, this faith is more than just simply faith, your faith, you know. This faith actually encompasses these three things. Okay, I'm going to elaborate further later on. So, resulting in the lives that we impact for Jesus, okay, and the souls we bring, okay, to heaven eventually, with the landed, see, the, the faith, the hope, and the love that all of us are having right now, 
Okay, it's being lent to us from God. It is borrowed. You understand? You can have faith. Yes, all of us, the Bible also say, He has given us a certain measure of faith, but that faith alone is not enough. That faith alone can only spark your awareness of Him, of who He is, and accept Him. But that, afterwards, it requires more. So it requires more supernatural divine faith, love and hope from God. Okay? Again, I'm going to say, I, for one, I admit, it's not easy to love people, honestly speaking. Especially your own brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a struggle. Seriously. I confess to God, I sin every day because I felt I'm not loving you guys enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the thing, you see. But they, this is what is required of us, you see. And with our limited amount of the love that we have, I can guarantee you, it's definitely not enough. Okay? And secondly, as long as we are here on earth, our obligation, yours and mine, is to continue, continue to have that faith. Okay? And continue to hope and continue to love. Okay? With that divine faith, hope and love capacity that God has given to us to operate as His children. You see, the thing is that, see, God, like what He says in the Bible, He never leaves us as often. See, as your father, I don't know about you guys, you know, but as an earthly father, do you not just look up to your father for the things sometimes he does, right? You just want to follow. Oh, I didn't know my father, my dad can do that. Wow. I hope someday I can do that. So God himself is the same. He is demonstrating all these three things in our life, hoping that we learn from him. Okay, so this is what this message is all about tonight as well. See, this is, that, this is why Paul said, only a reflection as in a mirror. As we can see, you only see your own reflection. Have you ever tried to touch your own reflection? It's basically you're just touching the glass. So it's not real. I wouldn't say it's real, but it's just a mere reflection. But can you just imagine, you just close your eyes, huh? okay? I'm going to use a bit of imagination. Close your eyes, but the moment you reach into the mirror, somehow you can feel your own face, your own feature, your eyes, your nose. That will be the day when we eventually see Him. You get what I mean? So that's the reason why we only see a mirror, a reflection. And that reflection is God's faith, love and hope that is being lent to us. We do not know it fully yet, but we will try to operate in that sense. Okay? Till we see Him, then we will know the full capacity. That's why Stephen ever mentioned, in heaven there is no grace, there is no mercy. You know that? Because we don't need that anymore. Okay, here on earth, yes, we need a lot of them every day, in fact. Okay? But not in heaven. So, in order to fulfill what is being mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 to 13, okay, we will look at 1 Thessalonians okay, chapter 1 to 3. Okay? And that is a message for today. We shall, I shall read it. Okay. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. This is Paul telling Okay, the Thessalonians, what? His heartfelt love for, for the Thessalonians. Huh? We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Now, pay attention here. Your labor prompted by love. Now we see here, huh? and your endurance inspired by hope. Now we see the faith, love and hope in detail. So this was what caught my attention. I was just reading, reading something. You know, I cannot just, I cannot help but just look back again. Hey, I think there's deeper to you know, to this and that, okay? In our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I begin to expound on this. So this is, we're going to look at three, okay? Three action parameters that we ought to do. 
in our daily lives, okay, as a journey, as we move on. Huh? Okay, the first one, okay, the first. I'm going to have three points only, so don't worry, okay? Work produced by faith. Hmm. It's a mouthful of words. What do you mean by work produced by faith? Isn't having faith alone is good enough? Right now, I have faith in God. Okay, hallelujah, thank God. Then we go out and witness. Whoever go out and witness with that sentence alone is not adequate enough for you to survive for long. Okay? I'm a coach. Okay? Gideon is also a coach. We are a very practical person. We want things that work. We are pragmatic. So this is what we, I'm going to show you tonight. Work produced by faith. Wow. In James chapter 2, okay, verse 14 to 26, here it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? We know these verses very well, right? Can such faith save them? Right? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, you know, I show you the peace sign, okay? Keep warm and well fed. Easy to say and done, right? But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, okay? If it is not accompanied by action, is that simple equation? But someone who says, you have faith, right? You have faith and I have deeds. This is not boasting at all. Huh? Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith with deeds. Okay? I don't just simply talk, I have concrete evidence. You know? We say, God, I love you. Early on, we were worshipping, right? We, the, I mean, God's presence was definitely here strongly, right? We felt His love, and we sing we love Him. But that is only through our mouth, orally. But what can we show as a proof to not just, to God, to not just God, you know? You know I mean? Right? What, what can I show to others as a witness that I love God? Okay? So I go I goes on to read first. Show me your faith without it, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Okay? You believe that there is one God. Good. Okay, by the way, these words are spoken to believers. Huh? These words are not spoken to pagans or non-believers. This is Paul's words to the believers. Okay? Good. Everyone believe there's one God. Good. Good for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Even the demons believe that. Okay? And shudder. The name of God actually causes them to just feel eggs and run away. Understand? That's why it's called the El Elyon. The most, most high. That is definitely, you know, even words like this, it's not even adequate to describe as who God is. So you foolish people. Oh, man, I feel spanked. Paul liked to spank people and he always spanked me with his words. Okay? Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father... Abraham, okay, who's your father of faith, I ask you? Isn't that Abraham? We all know that very well, right? Okay. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now remember, at this point in time, before he did all this with his son Isaac, God is still not sure about Abraham's faith, you know. You see, God, we are created in His image. Sometimes God also have to guess. Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know if Matthew still love me that much. You know, he always say with his mouth, but I don't know. You know, you get what I mean. You see where I'm coming from right now? Okay. So as I go on to read, uh, see, you see that his faith 
and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Hey, one plus zero doesn't make two. You need to have one plus one equals two. So your faith, okay, plus your action equals something that God can see physically that goes to prove that, you know, you actually love him by showing him with your deeds. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God only sees that and call him, you are right by his action before he even put the knife down onto his own son Isaac. That is the only point where God, oh, okay, now I believe you. Okay, okay, stop there, stop there. And he provides a lamb for him as a sacrifice. You see, God will not know okay, your faith until you prove it to him. Huh? So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, yes. And he was called God's friend. I want to be God's friend, honestly speaking. I mean, I know the Holy Spirit. Okay? I know the Holy Spirit that he is my best friend. I know him so well that I can even feel him and I can even smell his presence. There's a smell to the Holy Spirit, by the way. Okay? But I want to be close to God as well, also physically. You know I mean? I want him to really call me, hey, friend, you know, come, let's have, you know... Uh, Tay siu tai with me because I love to drink tay siu tai. I want God to tell me that, you see. I want that, those kind of intimacy. So you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Okay? In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Now, she is made famous, by the way. If your name can make it into the Bible, you are famous for the rest of your life. <laughs> and Rahab made it. You see, she is so important to God that she is being mentioned here in the Bible again and again and again. In the Old Testament and now in the New Testament. Why? Because of what she did to save the Israelite. No matter who you are, no matter what is your background, no matter even right now, okay, I'm not encouraging you to sin. Even if you sin now, today, of course, we ask for God's forgiveness. We say the sinner's prayer every day for me. Definitely salvation is a daily effort that I have to make. But what God, at the end of the day, even you as a sinful person, God is looking for your faith in action. If God can see you doing that, oh man, I'm so happy with this person. You see where I'm coming from? Okay? Your salvation is much deeper than we simply saying a prayer. That's all. No. Even you say a prayer, you sin, but... You want to be right with God. You continue to put your faith in action. This is what God is looking out for. That's why salvation is a continuous personal process every day. See, now this is a revelation I never got to know until now. Seriously. I am sinful for, for sure. I am still very stained. But because of what I will do for God or I am doing for God, I can see at the end of the day, there's a smile on his face. Okay? So, what we see here, very simple. Okay, faith without work is dead. Simple. We all know that, right? Our faith talk must match our faith walk. Alright. It, it is time we show actions out of, out of these four walls. Okay, so when I wrote this point down, I was like, oh, I feel, I, actually I felt, you know, I felt the urgency of what God is trying to tell us. We come every Sunday, you know, to be encouraged. Yes, there's nothing wrong. We praise God, we worship God. But, Eventually, when we get out of these four walls, God wants to see whatever we just showcase to Him being put into action. That's all. So God is not looking for just speakers, you know, but God is looking for doers. See, that's why He say, you know, 
the harvest is ripe. He is looking for harvesters. He is not looking for people who watch the wheat eventually turn ripe and then just turn rotten. No, he wants people to go out there and harvest. Simple. Okay? Even Christ himself, Jesus, demo, the, he demonstrated by dying for us on the cross. His shed blood was the evidence of the grace and mercy we have today and every day and even right now. And a proof okay, of his faith in the Father's plan. You see, Jesus can just come, you know, being God's son, being God himself, you know, he can do whatever he wants. How many of you think that he can do whatever he wants out of God's plan? Huh? He will still be loved by God. But no. Okay, he, he chose to obey God entirely. Why? Because he wants to even show to his father that you, the faith you've given me is unmeasurable. Yes, I have the full measure of the Holy Spirit. But yet, I still want to prove to you and even demonstrate to the disciples what do you mean by putting your faith in action? Okay. In fact, okay, we are called righteous by our exhibition of our faith through our action, which is your work that you put in for the kingdom. As clearly demonstrated by our father of faith, Abraham, Jesus was looking for faith. Again, now when I say that, when he comes again, can he find that? See, when I wrote this point down, you know, I, I have a quick glimpse of a, you know, a picture in my mind. Okay? See, our faith is likened to a beacon. You know what's a beacon like? A light that is, you know, keep, you know, like, sometimes if you stare at a beacon for too long, I will fall asleep. Okay? Because it's so soothing. But nonetheless, okay, good. All of you know why it's a beacon light. So our faith is like a beacon in these dark ages. Okay? If you think that you're living in the light, don't be fooled. I mean, I'm talking about this world itself. It's as dark as it's going to be already, and it's going to get darker. Okay? And that's a fact. But we, as that beacon, as that light, okay, we, need, we need something to, to make it as bright as possible for Jesus to see. See, and again, when I, when I was writing this point, you know, I have a vision, you know. Just imagine, I think all of, all of us have actually seen whether is it on, you know, on the internet, Google, or actually seen physically, have you ever looked down a hill into a city at night? Okay, especially up on a hill where there is no light, no, no street light, no lamps uh, to actually block your, your, your clear view of an entire city. I've, I've actually done that. Okay? What you see is small little light shining, right? Glittering out in the streets, you know, in the building, when you stare down from a dark hill. Okay, that is exactly the kind of view that Jesus is looking out for. Those light, those light, other beacons, those light that comes from us, it has to be as bright as possible. Now, how to be that bright? How to have continuously to have that power to be that bright that we actually eventually going to catch Jesus' attention? It's the work that you put out continuously. The more you do, the more power you have, the more the generator will go up, the more brighter you will become. That's why Jesus said, when he comes again, will he find faith? Faith meaning to say, are you still continually working for the kingdom? If I sit down there, oh, I have so much faith, oh, I have so much faith, I'm elevating. Okay, that doesn't work. Huh? Okay, Jesus is not looking for the, those kind of faith. He's looking us being out there, not in the church itself. So now you're waiting for him to come. Okay, all of us are waiting. We don't just simply sit here and just, Jesus, are you coming? Oh man, you are so late. No, we go out there. We do things for him. So, Okay, so the power source that which lights up the beacon, faith, okay, is the works that we do or the service to Christ. Okay, make it bright for Jesus to see. You know, um, the reason why I asked Suzanne to come up here to share you know, about 
what uh, what you know has been going on for this week is I also want to share that you know um, we recently also we began to go around you know places you know trying to evangelize you know try to reach out to people because we are trying as a church Antioch Center for the Nation itself you know to bring the gospel out there but also to bring the love okay to bring a service to help others so Suzanne and I and even Stephen we have been visiting Glen Eagles hospital not hospital okay my apology um glen eagles uh, medical center one of the cancer clinic okay this clinic is operated by by dr carmen okay she's a believer of course she has this heart, heartfelt feeling for you know to pray for the patients that's where the, our avenue actually link up to her is so as we as i begin to go the thing is that whatever i felt in church good great you know get touched by god I cry, you know, I tears, everything, you know, but after a while, okay, after the tears are dry, everything is wiped off, I go back to my normal life. No, something is still missing. That's where my eyes begin to open, when I begin to go out there, when I begin to lay hands on people, whether they are here or not, it doesn't matter. But the thing is that that relationship being built, you see, that is what Jesus is looking out for. Whether that person receives or not, it doesn't matter. But he is looking up for us to take the first step. That's all. Okay? To share another testimony. Recently, I was there alone. Okay? Suzanne and Stephen wasn't there. So I was sitting, you know, wait, in a waiting room, waiting, waiting, you know, for one of the, you know, for um, Cynthia, which is one of the coordinators there, you know, to bring patients to us to be prayed for. Then I saw this young girl walked in. You know, she's, she's, you'd be surprised, she's, in her, I think, early 20s or mid-20s, around, you know, Joe's or Lisha's age. When she walked in, I was shocked. Why? She has stage 4 cancer at that early age. But I see the glow in her face. You know. She looked very pure. Honestly speaking, she looked very pure. I mentioned that because I asked her. She said it's okay for me to share online. See, such faith. She said it's okay. You can mention my name. I forgot her name. By the way, um, apologies, okay? But she has stage 4 cancer where? Kidney, liver, multiple. But she walked in. Even though physically she looked pale, huh? her lips was totally white. I was like shocked. I was like, whoa. Like, you better sit down, you better sit down. But she, somehow there's this glow in her. You know? She was smiling. So she sat down. She's more cheerful than me. I, feel, I felt more, you know, more worried and sad for her. But she's more cheerful than me. So that prompted me to actually talk with her before I even pray for her. So I, I shared with her. Eventually that led to her wanting to know the Holy Spirit. She was hungry. That's why I see the glow on her face. Just like when I first met Lisha, when she walked in, she was <sighs> salivating. That kind of hunger. You can see that spiritually, really, in a person. Okay? So as I shared more and more and more, I was just simply sharing. I wasn't even preaching at all. I just shared my experience. How I get to know my best friend. And how my best friend get to, you know, touch me and all that. And he never left me since then. Then she began to cry. But she's smiling. I began to get worried. So I paused for a while. I asked her, are you okay? Are you feeling pain somewhere? She said, no, I don't know why. But as you share more and more, I'm crying. <laughs> so, when I heard that, I was like, in my heart, I was like, hallelujah, thank God. She was actually touched by the Holy Spirit. She don't even know, and she's not even aware of that. So I began to probe more and more and more. And what I realized was, she just received Christ, I think about, you know, a couple of years ago. You see, such faith in her as a new believer, even at that stage physically in her body, it doesn't matter. See, and she was hungry. She came to me. She wants to know the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for that appointment. If I wasn't there, if I didn't obey the Holy Spirit to go on that day, anyway, that day wasn't scheduled for me to go. I just went on a whim and on a request by Cynthia to go and pray. 
I went, I talked to her. That was the most rewarding, uh, to be honest, the rewarding day of my life when I'm praying for all the, all the patients over there. You see where I'm coming from? You see? So you, we have to stand in a gap. We have to stand. And now she knows my best friend, and my best friend knows her. That's the most joyous moment of my life. Even as I share right now, I get goosebumps. Because my best friend says, Hallelujah. See where I'm coming from? So this is what we need to do, you see. And this is what caught Jesus' attention. Oh, suddenly you see the beacon light being, you know, blinking. So it is true. Your work, our works, through Christ and in Christ that you will see the Father's will and purpose for your life. I mean, Suzanne is back there. To be honest, Suzanne, I'll be open now. Huh? But anyway, you're not here to, to hear us, never mind. She's back there busy preparing the food. You know, in the past, when, I'm, when I sit in church, huh, not that she don't have, but when I see her back there, she look worried. She look like normal, you know what I mean? Which is normal. Because you have a busy week when you come to church. Oh, you just want to be touched by God. You just want to touch God, you know, and get strengthened and get encouraged. But nowadays, when I see her walking in, I see purpose in, in her eyes. Huh? Honestly speaking, I see purpose in her eyes because she has been following me to Glen Eagles for many, many weeks already. See, so this is what we want all... This is, in fact, this is my prayer for all of us. When we walked in here, we'd be so busy sharing testimony with each other that, you know, the pastor will not have time to, to even to share a word. Okay, this is what we call a church is alive. See where I'm coming from? A church has to be that alive. Huh? Thank you, Suzanne. And by the way, that smells great, huh? I don't know where you have to... Yeah, everybody is distracted by your food already. Yeah, just kidding. So, as you see, it is a continuous effort of constant service in faith. See, faith should not be comforting, but challenging. Again, I say, Okay? Your faith should not be comfortable at all. You shouldn't be sitting here, oh, I feel comfortable with my faith. No, it should be challenging you to go out more and more and more. It should cause you a divine discontentment in your spirit to do more for Christ. See, what is your motivation to work? Okay, this can be a rhetorical question. It can apply to your normal life. So what is your motivation to work? Right now. You don't have to answer me, but in your heart, you ask yourself. And... Why ask that? Going back to the title, okay? Work produced by faith. So what is your motivation for that work for Christ? See? Now, point number two. Okay, let's go on to point number two. Huh? Labor prompted by love. Oh. As I go on, even though there's three points, huh, I just want you know, us to, to just take note that each level as we go in, okay, it's going to be more and more strenuous. You know, Paul was an athlete. I believe he's a long-distance runner, like a marathoner. That's why if you listen to his message, I mean, if you read his messages, uh, especially in the Old Testament, uh, the words, uh, if you pay close attention, the things that he used to describe uh, is actually very laborious, very strenuous, because he will only preach from his own experience as an athlete. So that's why I can relate to Paul very well. Okay? It's very tiring, honestly speaking, physically, you know, reading Paul's word. Okay? Not just being spanked. Yeah, constantly. So, labor prompted by love. When I read this mouthful of words, I already feel tired. Okay, why, do I, why do I say that? See, this love mentioned here is about the love from the Father. Again, I say, flowing into us and out of us. This is not your mere you know, um, secular love, your conditional love. No. You know what I mean, this is more than what Joe loved Lisha and Lisha loved Joe. Okay, they can talk to each other, look into each other's eyes. Say, no, no, I love you. No, I love you more. You can do that. 
Okay, <laughs> but that doesn't equate to what this simple love that comes from God. Huh? Okay, so how God has shown His love for humanity in John three sixteen. Huh? Okay, I don't have that verse, but we all know John three sixteen very well, right? For His, for God so loved the world that He has given His begotten Son, right, to, as a sacrificial lamb for us. You know, can you imagine that? This is what God is exactly looking out for when He, when Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Okay? That kind of love, sacrificial love. So likewise, as His beloved children, okay, everyone is saying, I am a beloved child of God. Uh, you say that, I didn't say that. Huh? Okay? So when you say that, now we are to show that divine love to others as well. Not, earlier I was talking about your faith. You have to demonstrate your faith in action, right? So, likewise, your love that you receive from the Father, you have to demonstrate out of you what is this love all about. Okay? Jesus loved the Pharisees. Uh, don't get me wrong. He don't, he don't, he don't, um, he don't hate them. Uh. In fact, he loved the Pharisees so much so that it makes him angry. Okay? If a love for another person doesn't make you angry, it's not a real love before, at all. You know what I'm talking about? That love must frustrate you. Okay, I always use that as a, as a gauge, seriously. If someone frustrated me more and more and more because I, know, I love that person very much, uh, oh, that means I really love that person. If not, that person, whatever he or she does to me will not have effect on me. Because exactly what he or she did to me that actually irritates me and makes me angry, that is actually showing me that, oh, yeah, I definitely love that person a lot. You know what I mean? So, you see, the Bible talks a lot about love. We know, come on, the Bible is a book of love. Right, God is love. Even the Bible says so. God is love. In fact, the Bible is about love. Even Paul mentioned, you know, among faith, hope, and love, as we read earlier on, right, the greatest is love. Right? So loving people is not easy, period. Again, I say, okay, I, I confess myself. So therefore, it takes greater effort to do so. That's why Paul says, labor. We have to labor. It's not just simply like, you know, you go to office, sit down under air condition, and just type your, you know, your computer, no. You have to physically go out there, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, when I, when I read this, uh, it reminds me of what, you know, in the past, where farmers, in fact, today, even as well, so in some third world country, farmers actually have to go out there and work, physical work. Okay, that's why it says labor. Hey, do you feel tired now? <laughs> so, see, thus, thus we need the divine love from our Father in heaven. God's agape love okay, to flow through us. Our love or your love is conditional. So is mine. I have very limited love, especially in Singapore. Right? Everybody's like rushing. You bump into me, this person, you get me, I get frustrated. I, I get frustrated all the time when I take the MRT. I'm rushing and this person rushes rush in front. And sometimes, you know, you are taking the escalator. I just want to rush up. Sorry, I, sorry that I sidetracked a bit. You know, just want to rush up on the right. You know, in Singapore, if you don't want to rush, you stand on the left. But some people just like to stand in the middle. That day I was taking the escalator, rushing somewhere at Amoke MRT, you know, down the basement, up. There is this couple, I don't know why they have to stand in the middle of the escalator and be lovey-dovey. I was like, oh my goodness, guys. And I said, excuse me. Oh, okay, the guy, the guy, uh, oh, at least he knows how, how to shift. But the girl's still like, waiting for that kiss. I was like, goodness. You see, that is how short-fused I am. I think those of you who are laughing, you agree with me. Okay, you see how short-fused I am. No? So, that kind, that, that is not love at all. 
Okay, by right, I should be more gracious, right? I should be more understanding, but no. Straight away, I, ugh, I get frustrated and I just quickly just brush through her and I think I bump into her. I don't, I don't even, I didn't even say sorry to her. Okay, and that's me. Huh? So don't come and bump into me when I'm in a rush, okay? Just kidding, huh? So, unconditional love, okay? Is not conditional love. Understand? We cannot equate them together. It's just a true fact. Okay? Whether you like it or not, huh? just like gravity, it's a fact. You don't feel it, you don't see it, but I mean, you don't see it, okay? but you feel it all the time. So unconditional love is what we need from the Father. So Jesus demonstrated this love fully and truly with His ministry on earth, even to the point of death on the cross. Now who can dare to raise your hand and say that Jesus don't love you enough? Even in your trials, in your temptations, okay? in your suffering, in your adversity, can you dare to say, God, you don't love me anymore. I don't think you love me anymore. If not, why am I going through this? If you ever think of that, always just remember what Jesus did for you. That enough is good. That's why when Paul says, ask God to take away whatever that is bothering him, that is hindering him, what did God reply him? My grace is sufficient for you because of what my son did for you. Don't forget uh, your encounter with him on the road to Damascus. Uh. Okay, if that is not powerful enough, I will constantly remind you. That's what put Paul into contentment. See, so God definitely, He loves us, period, that's all. But now we need to bring that love across. Okay. The word prompted, okay, what does the word prompted mean? Huh? Okay. So I tried to check it out on the dictionary and this is what I got. To move is a physical thing, to move. Whether you are pushing something, you are lifting something, you are carrying something, okay, is to move or induced to action. Because not just simply sitting down there, oh, I, I feel so tired, such a laborious work that I'm doing, but you're basically just sitting down there. Okay? That is not labor at all. Okay? To occasions or incite. Right? No? Like I, I incite you to take action. You know I mean? Like, you know, like recently in Hong Kong, right, there are protests that is going on, right? See, how does that actually happen? People incite others to take up. People try, you know, hey, come, I think we should do this. You know, it's time for us to demonstrate. That's why they're being put into action. Okay, put into labor. Now, labor requires time, sacrifice, or spend. Simply put it. When you go out there, when you do something, not that exactly what you want to do. Isn't that sacrificing your time? Right? And that is basically what kingdom work is. Who here enjoys doing work for God, to be honest? Nobody. Right, because this is not what we want. This is not your agenda. This is not my agenda. This is his agenda. When we do these things, uh, okay, I always remember what Stephen also said. Ministry is, no, is no, not fun at all. In fact, if possible, uh, you will want to run away from ministry. But not. But we will not do that. Because like, if not, I won't be standing here sharing with you. Exactly, we need to do it. The more you don't want to do it, actually, how I gauge also is... Uh, if, I do, if I'm doing something for God, the more I don't want to do it, uh, that means it's definitely from God. If I enjoy doing it, uh, oh, you better be careful already. You better ask God for the next agenda. Seriously, because this is exactly not what God wants for His children. Why? Because ministry work itself is also a test for us. We are being tested every day. Okay? Even in ministry work. Just remember that. If you get too comfortable, that means God, you, know, you better give me something more. You know, I'm hungry more. Always ask for divine discontentment. This is what I, I've been asking for and all this while I've been feeling that I can, I can never be satisfied with what I'm doing for God. 
So, again, labor requires time, sacrifice, or being spent. Energy exerted out of certain feelings or emotions. What pushes you to love others? What spurs you on? Okay, what, again, what is your motivation? Earlier on, I asked, what is your motivation to work? Now I ask you, what is your motivation to love? Okay? So, labor is a much more intense word than work itself. If you don't believe me, you can check it out in the dictionary, on the description alone. It's totally different. Work is more mellow. You know, I always have a picture sitting under air condition, you know, in front of a desk. Sometimes you're not even like Facebooking, uh, you know, or, or WhatsApping people on the laptop, okay? It's not actually, you know, laborious work. But those who are actually putting hard work, you go out there, you see all those construction workers. Day in, day out, rainy condition, mud and all that all over their body. Okay, that's why I, in the, I mean in the MRT, for me, okay, if I see a construction worker, I will give seat to him. Because to me, I feel he deserved that seat more than, you know, someone who works in the office. Why I say that? I have worked in the office before. I know how tiring it is, okay? Don't get me wrong yet, but physical work is more tiring. Okay, this is what I feel, okay? How you feel, you know, it's up to you, but I, I felt that, yeah, laborious work is more intense. So it involves putting greater effort, okay? into that which you are doing. If it doesn't require effort, if you feel comfortable again at all, it's not laborious at all, then you, again, you better check. You better ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what should I do next? A mother who is in labor is a mother expending great effort in de delivering her child. Yes or not? The mother, do, do we have agreement here? Right, the child just doesn't pop up easily. <laughs> I mean, okay, you need intense exertion. That's why they say, when you go into labor, right, Suzanne? Okay, so strenuous, Suzanne is only paying attention here, no, just kidding. Okay? Strenuous labor makes us weary. <laughs> okay? And you sound laborious, okay? you sound tired, it's okay. okay. And leaves us wanting to stop and rest. It's okay if you stop and rest. It's also a good thing that you check upon yourself. Like when you look back, you know, oh, I've done so much. You know, for God, so what is snake? Okay, if you don't feel tired at all, okay, it's, again, I say it's not laborious. There are a few things that along the line, if you are doing something, you can actually ask yourself, you know, is it right? God, is it right? Okay, later, at the end of this message, okay, we shall see actually what the Thessalonians are doing is right because of what Paul is going to say to them. Okay, we're going to see that later on. So why did Paul mention labor prompted by love? See, the only reason is Persecutions and trials will come your way. You see, when you love people, first of all, it's not all of your own love. It has to be a divine love from God, right? And second of all, when you are really loving people, I can tell you, persecutions and trials will come along the way. The devil will try all his, all his best, uh, excuse me, okay, to thwart and to prevent you from loving another person. Honestly. Because... He knows that, oh my goodness, man, this guy is getting stronger and more powerful and anointed. No, I better do something about that. Okay? So again, you can gauge upon yourself. Huh, if that thing becomes, if that person becomes harder and harder and harder to love, then all the more we should start to pray. Okay? For more of that love, for more for, for that person. So to persevere on, we have to labor on. That's why it's very tiring. Okay, it's a physical work, in fact, I would say, to love someone else. To visit that person, to bring food to that person, to take care of a person. Right? 
Taking care of yourself is very easy, of course, but taking care of another person is even much more difficult because of our intense love for Christ. Now, that should be our motivation. Earlier on, I asked you, what is your motivation to love? In fact, this one should be your motivation because of your deep love for Christ, for Jesus himself, of what he has done for you. You see the implication there? Tonight, if you can, you go back, you know, you just sit down, or you just lie down, or sit down, close your eyes, you just think about 2,000 years ago. If not, you go and watch, okay, Passion of the Christ again. That will definitely stir your heart. I can never watch that movie twice. Honestly, I tried, seriously, honestly, I tried. After that, I cannot, I run out of the room. That time, I remember when I was at George's house, uh, when they tried to play that movie during Christmas, uh, I remember, I ran down. I cannot take, I cannot take it anymore. You see? Because to me, that, that is fact, you know, that is real life that happens 2,000 years over again. A person, uh, Jesus, you can just imagine Jesus as a normal human being. How can a normal human being go through such extent of suffering and pain uh, for you? You're not even born yet. You see that kind of intense love? Okay. I hope that is our motivation. Now, John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17 here, it says, uh, When they had finished eating, we know this story very well also, okay? After Jesus' resurrection, he said to Peter, Simon, okay, Simon, son of John, John, okay, or Jonah, this is where, you know, they were sitting by the beach, by the sunset, having some barbecue, nice, okay? But Jesus popped this question to him, huh? Son of John, do you love me more than this? What are you talking about this? All this food, all this companionship, even my companionship with you, Okay? The, the disciples are very contented at that point in time because they are very elated because their Christ has risen again. But Jesus has more to that. Huh? Okay? That's why he asked. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Okay? Again, Jesus said, son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, the level goes deeper again. First is the lamb. Lamb are the new believers, basically, though, or those who just walk into church. Now, the sheep. Jesus is going much deeper. Who are the sheep? You and I are the sheep. Okay? People who eat meat, like Paul says, we don't drink milk anymore. Okay? Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It's like broken tape, I keep replaying and replaying. <laughs> this causes Simon, or causes Peter to be a bit annoyed already, right? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, the tasks get more and more and more difficult as you love more and more. That's why I say, I confess at the beginning, it's not easy to love your own brothers and sisters. Seriously, it's not that easy. A new believer come in, don't know anything at all, lost, oh, very good, you know, we share the gospel with them, we preach to them daily. Seems like accomplishment. Right now, right now, for instance, uh, okay, I have to talk to Matthews, uh, and then he tried to rebuke me or rebuke me all the time. Wow, we are fighting against each other. For instance, uh, just an example, because of our knowledge of the Bible, we fight. No, I don't think this verse meant that way. It gets a bit frustrating already. You see where I'm coming from? So the level goes deeper and harder. Okay, that's why Jesus asked Peter this, to reinstate him also with Peter, because he denied him three times. Okay, we know that. Uh. So if we love God, we have to love man. Simple. With the love from God, despite of the circumstances, the trials and the temptations and the adversities that you are going through while loving the other person, or people, in fact. Loving one person is easy, but people, 
Uh, it's another story. <coughs> See, love is about sacrifice, about putting other first, about putting in actions. That means laboring for others. You take care of other people's needs first before you take care of your own needs. Simple. I have a plate of, let's say, fried bihun here. I'm hungry. Okay, Matthews is hungry. I can either share this, half of us will be half filled, or I can give him the complete plate. I'm hungry, but he is full. I will do that. You see, so this is what we meant by loving by my action. So how we show our love for Jesus, okay, is through our laboring or action for others. Put others first. Okay, just bear with me for a while. Okay, let's come to the third point. It's going to get harder. First is work. Okay, good, simple. Huh? Eight to five job, go home. After that, you have to labor. Go under the sun. Sweat, tears, everything. You know, work, up, work it out a bit. Now, enduring. Okay? Endurance inspired by hope. You see, actually, as each level goes, it gets tougher and tougher. Okay? And Paul purposely write these things. That's what caught my attention. See, work produces labor. Okay? And eventually, labor produces endurance. The more you keep laboring, isn't that enduring already? Okay? When we persevere or when we endure. See, endurance is what, what do you mean by endurance? Okay? The definition here, simply put it, the fact or power of enduring or bearing pain. It's not bearing joy. Huh? Okay? You don't need to endure with joy, but with pain. Hardship. Okay? The ability or strength to continue to last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or, if, or other adverse condition. It's basically talking about your stamina. See, now currently I'm teaching a bunch of kids uh, about, I, I would say, primary, um, let's see, how, how old? Primary three onwards, uh, even up to, you know, sec four kids, uh, basically from like, even as young, uh, sorry, as young as five years old until 16 years old. Uh, in cycling, specifically in mountain biking. Okay? Um, the program uh, is such that I will bring them up to the level of national cyclists to represent Singapore in the Youth Olympic. Okay? So, the thing is that, how do I, do, how do I train them, you see? How do I train their stamina? Skill-wise, more or less, they'll be with me for at least a year, they have the skill. But yet, being kids, you know, they are still like <laughs> one or two laps only. They get, they, they start to pan. They start to get tired. It's worse, some of them even slept late. They didn't even have breakfast before they come for my training. So I scold them. I scold the parents, right? Okay. You ask Gideon, how is it like when you know his boys come are uh, training improper, right? Okay. So I make. What do I do? I make them do laps again and again, and it's repetition. This is how we slowly bring up. A, the stamina of a person. It's painful. I look at them, whole face turn pale. The parents quickly run to come on, have some water, have some water. I will tell the parents, no, they cannot drink now yet. You continue. I give you 10 minutes, you finish your 10 minutes lap before you can drink water. You endure. They know it's painful. They know it's suffering. I, see, I look on their face, I can tell. But afterward, when I ask them, how do you feel? After they drink water, they feel nice, they feel shook. And then from there you see, you know, their stamina begin to improve. And they've been winning, I mean, local races, which, you know, is good for them. You see, I told them, see the result of your training? It was painful, it was hard. Yeah, even the, your parents feel hard for you, but now you look at your result, you have shown them with your result, you see. So exactly this is what we, knew, we need to do for Christ. See, never give up. 
Okay, they always want to give up. No, like, can I stop already? Can I drink water? I say no. Okay, continue. And this is what our Father in Heaven would do to us with your endurance. I want to quit. I mean, I'm not really into active ministry or what, but you know, sitting there, like as I was saying, sitting there for so many years, I'm not complaining, by the way, I enjoyed sitting there for so many years, not able uh, to worship God being restricted in that sense because I'm sitting there. I cannot jump, I cannot, you know, praise God properly in that sense, uh, but I'm still praising Him. How do you feel, right? Oh, I have to endure. Tahan, uh, tahan. Okay, like the local saying, uh, okay, I have to endure. Okay, but that is all for God, okay, which I don't mind doing. So if labor is putting in great effort, Okay? Remember I say, right, from work to labor. Okay? Then endurance is enduring the intense work as much as you can, as possible, as long as you can. In fact, for the rest of your life, if you're really serving God. Okay? I believe Stephen, his 30 years of ministry is the same. He is, after all, also a human being. He and Barbara. Okay? If you hear the stories, his testimonies that he shared when he was in Mexico, um, India and now even in Singapore, okay, the kind of things that they have to endure through is not easy at all. Okay? But we continue to push on. And in First Thessalonians, right, chapter 1, verse 6, here it says, uh, You became imitators of us. This is Paul telling. Okay, the Thessalonian again, uh, and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul never says, uh, okay, in the midst of your work, no, severe. He purposely put that word that severe suffering. They suffer. They suffer for themselves, for the brothers and sisters, for the church. We know in Thessalonica, back in those days, it's not an easy place. It's a very, um, just like in modern day Singapore, you know, a lot of commerce, a lot of things is happening there, a lot of businesses. Okay, a lot of engagement. That's why to survive even as a church is not easy. And the Thessalonians are being praised for that. Why? Because they endure. Their endurance inspired, is inspired by the hope that is in them. This is how we can endure. It is by and through the power. Okay? Joy given by the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean uh, you have to endure and then, oh no, God leave you there to suffer and He loves. <laughs> Look at Matthew. They're crying out to me. No, God is not that sadistic. Come on. Okay, because He loves us. He has already given us who? What did Jesus say? It's better for me to go away. Because whoever that has come after me is far more greater. That's why He says you can do more than what I am doing on earth. This is the very personal word of Jesus telling His disciple, You and me, you can do more than Christ, you know. Why? Because now we have the Holy Spirit. He is the one that anoints you. He is the one that gives you that divine faith, that divine love to move on. At the end of the day, if you think that, oh God, I don't know what to do anymore, look to Him. He is just standing right next to you. Only. Just say hi to Him, Holy Spirit. How are you today? You know, I need this. I want this. How? Can you tell me what to do? Be frank with Him. Talk to Him like how I am talking to you right now. You don't have to be formalized. You don't have to like kneel down you know, claps your hand. I think some of you who are watching don't agree with me. But we need to treat the Holy Spirit. We need to treat God like a friend. If you want to be His friend, like how He was to Abraham, you, we have to start to treat Him like a normal person. Of course, we, we fear Him. We revel Him. Understand? But we need to treat Him like a normal person. This is how 
Trust me, this is how you see things begin to happen in your life. God is tired of formalities. God is tired of you know, people coming like, you know, babbling so much words, but not being sincere. Okay, we have to be sincere, including your work for Him. God knows. That's why He's waiting for you to complain. If you don't complain, probably you think that, okay, this person is fine enough. Complain to God. Just be honest. Bend the table. Seriously, shout. God gives you the liberty to do that. So just be, with, be yourself with God. Okay, it's fine. It's okay with that. We need the Holy Spirit, okay, because in the midst of your severe sufferings or trials, we can have the peace and joy. You know, recently I shared, right, about, you know, Paul sailing, right, to Rome to meet Caesar. You see, everybody else on the ship panicking. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They are so worried about the storm. But Paul himself, I can believe he's just like, come on guys, chill. Of course, Paul is worried. But deep down inside, spiritually, he's so calm. Amen. You, even you, if you go back, you read the passages again, you can see the difference. You can compare between the, the captain of the ship, the centurion, even Paul's disciple, and you compare to Paul. Paul react and behave differently. Okay. So why do we have to endure or persevere? Okay, why? Now, I'm going to look at three questions and I'm going to end this. Huh? So just bear with me, okay? In James chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, here it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's why you endure. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be matured and complete, not lacking anything. God don't wants you to lack anything. He wants you to be filled up. Okay? From the bottom of your feet, solar, to the top of your head. But you need to cooperate with Him in that sense. We need to push on. We need to endure. We need to persevere on. That's why I say, okay, uh, why do you have to endure or persevere? Because of this very reason. We have to be mature and complete. Second question. Okay. What happened to my... Okay, hold on. Uh. Let me open again. Okay, second question we ask. Okay. What is the hope that is worth enduring for? You ask yourself. Okay. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 36, here he says, You need to persevere, okay, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. See, isn't this worth waiting for? Isn't this worth suffering for? Persevere for? It's because of what you will receive from Him. We know very well, we are all aware what the Bible promises us as believer, as his beloved son and children, I mean sons and daughters, as his children. Okay? He has, God, what did Jesus say? I will go up there and prepare a place for you, a room for you. Truly, truly, he says that, you know. When he says that, that means it's a fact already. Your room is up there, everyone's room. Your room is unique only to you. Okay? For me, pers I mean personally, I've seen, I've seen the house that he has given me. Seriously, I've seen it. It's like mind-boggling. I didn't know that Jesus can have such architecture. But He told me He's there already. He's just waiting for me. Okay? For me to go up there and just He will just shake my hand, pass me the house key. And this is it. Just waiting for that moment. I'm also waiting for that. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, He says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. See, who is not waiting for Jesus? Tell me. If your mo motivation is not waiting for Christ to come, okay, then basically what I'm telling you, sharing with you right now is all in vain. You are sitting down here just wasting your time. Right. The only thing that we are sitting right here is either we get ruptured, ruptured, sorry, yeah, when the end, end 
end time comes, could be tomorrow, could be even after this message, or we are just waiting for us to just die, you know, and go and meet the Father. That is what we do. Okay. So what is the hope that is worth enduring for? Last but not least, why, why, my, what, this is, wait, hold on. Yeah, correct. Okay, so why must we endure in hope? Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 is here, it says, uh, all this is evident that God's judgment is right. You see, you want to know whether you are doing the right thing or not. And this is what Paul is praising the Thessalonians. Okay, this is immediately after the message which I, I'm sharing in First Thessalonians. This is in chapter 2, uh, chapter, uh, Second Thessalonians already, you see. All this is evident that God's judgment is right. God's judgment for you is right. That means what he sees, okay, good. Joe has done what is being required. Okay, that is the approval that we need to seek. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. That's your answer okay, to the question, why must we endure? You ask yourself, right, Paul, you give such a harsh and difficult statement or steps to follow. No? So then you ask yourself to be fair. What, so why, am I, why, why do I have to endure? What is it in for me? Right. To be honest, yes, we have to be selfish. We have to be self-centered in that sense because eventually your own soul is also at stake. Okay? See, it is my prayer that we too, like in Second Thessalonians, as written, how Paul continued to boast about the Thessalonians church. Okay, I really hope, you know, one day, you know, some, some um, really anointed person or pastor or whoever evangelist that comes to us and give, you know, credit and praise our church or praise Stephen even right now where he's in U.S. Wow, not bad you guys, you know. Seems like God is, you know, in favor with you because of what you are doing for him. So that itself is a testimony that we are on the right track. You want proof of him happy with you? This is the kind of thing that we need to do. Okay, and like I said, I lay out the formulas for us to follow. Okay? So, because of their perseverance and their faith in the persecution and the trials they endure. So, these are the three things that we saw. Okay? Three action parameters that we ought to do. Okay? This will end. Okay? In summary, you see, work produced by faith. Your faith has to have work. You cannot just tell me you have faith without deed. What proof is that for, for me? Even you tell me right now, I have great faith in God, but how can you show me? Where's your faith? Okay? Labor prompted by love. Okay? When you love someone, it's all about that person first. It's about sacrificing your time, your effort, your energy, even sleepless nights are for the other person. If that person hurts you, okay? If that person pains you, that it goes to show that you are on the right track. Okay, be it a person or a group of people, it doesn't matter. It's the same. And last but not least, endurance inspired by hope. Out of all this, okay, you love people, you have faith, you put everything into labor, into work. Okay, still, you have to endure. What's the purpose of that? Because of the hope. What hope? Your hope of eventually meeting God. Remember the first verse that I shared, 1 Corinthians? Right. I am looking to see God face to face, to be fully known known by him and and I fully know him that is my motivation okay so with that okay I end my message for tonight okay I hope you shed some light for you know all of us okay so come let's pray